The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. The one-two pitch, ball line to Yout, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air... Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history. Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center. He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well, and it's gone! Morgan a smash up the middle, base hit the center. Here comes Gomez around third. A throw and the Brewers win. The Brewers are moving on on a base hit by Nigel Morgan. Here it is. Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up, get up, get out of here and go for Yelich. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Adrian Snyder. Uh, me. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast, uh, Thanksgiving's in the rearview mirror. The hot stove is at a simmer. Um, we're all uh, fatter, maybe not happier, and the winter meetings are on the horizon due to start next week. We'll talk about some interesting Brewers news uh, that's come out in the last few days. Take a look at some signings across baseball, some made by division rivals. And also, finally start our grades for the 2023 regular season and I guess the two games of playoff games um with the Brewers starting pitching group but before we get into all of that hey Adam how are you doing I am doing well how dare you first of all I am not fatter I didn't didn't do anything in the last week to make myself fatter um well I hope I hope all of, I hope you Andrew I hope everyone listening had a great Thanksgiving um yeah i miss the brewers that's kind of I, I know we've said this a few times but i miss the brewers now so i want to talk about good things fun things with the brewers there are some good and fun things happening with the brewers so well, maybe we can talk about that in addition to what will be the main topic as promised for this episode yeah and you just told me you think we're gonna we're gonna fight about some things as we 
dole out the grades. So I'm interested to see just how high and how low you're going with some of these uh, predictions. If there's a wide variance in, in what we're talking about, you know, catching me by surprise here. Um, I guess we'll start with the the top of mind thing. The first thing I'll say is, you know, the Bucks season's in full swing. Packer season's in full swing. And they're starting to turn things around. So a little optimism uh, is growing at Lambeau Field. Subscribe to uh, GSPN's other podcast, the Eurostep podcast, the Win and Six podcast, and Talk of the Tundra, GSPN.info. Also make time for this to hear us talk about movies. Next episode will be about the films of Albert Brooks, which you have finally gotten me to watch, and I'm now an Albert Brooks stan. Uh, first bit of news trickled out, I think, last night in, regarding, in regards to the Brewers. Uh, Ken Rosenthal was, was first on the scene, noting that the Brewers are discussing a deal with top prospect Jackson Chorio. Uh, so obviously Jackson Chorio, top prospect in the system, top five prospect in all of baseball, depending on which uh, publication you're looking at, has yet to play a game uh, in the majors. But uh, the Brewers thinking of doing something that's been done a few times across baseball with guys like Luis Robert in Chicago um, and signing him to a longer term deal, buying out some arbitration years and, past some arbitration years before he's ever stepped on the field. Uh, and I th- some other names in that list, guys like uh, Evan White with the Mariners, Eloy Jimenez with the White Sox, uh, Phillies infielder Scott Kingery, and Astros first baseman and old friend John Singleton. Some of those deals uh, have aged better than others, most of them not going well. But this kind of, and, and we talked about it in the Discord, reminds me more of uh, what the Diamondbacks did with Corbin Carroll after his sort of... Uh, year before the year audition where he looked good and they signed him to uh, a longer term deal uh, in 2023. Uh, so yeah, Chorio, some of the numbers that have been thrown out um, from Kurt Hogue of the Milwaukee Journal Sent- Sentinel are between 80 million and $90 million and eight years on that deal. So it seems like the Brewers are on the cusp of, you know, signaling something we already knew to be true, but that Jackson Chorio is the future and the cornerstone player that they want to build around. And I got to say in an off season of bad news and troubling news and iconic players leaving the franchise, this is something that's put a little bit of a pep in our step, especially if it gets done. (laughs) And it kind of makes sense for all parties in a very rare way where he is so young and about to hit the major leagues where he can do this, lock in an eight-year deal, make you know money that will change his and his family's lives forever. So that's just locked in. You've got that. And then if he does pan out at the level that you know we all hope and the Brewers clearly expect, well, then he's going to be, what, 27 um, at the other side of this deal. So... Lots of time to make even greater money then. Uh, From the Brewers perspective, with all of the uncertainty, with all of the unsavory lack of contract extensions, with higher profile guys who've hit that peak range to lock in someone who may just be, you know, the guy who's going to sell all your tickets for the next eight seasons that's a no-brainer at a very like cheap like genuinely cheap price if he pans out to be anything and even at a price that okay if it goes wrong particularly with a franchise that 
is so restricted in its spending as the breweries is, it'll be a problem. But this is not at any kind of like sky high number where it in itself could ever be something crippling. So just seems like it makes sense for both parties, which is why I guess we're very close to getting this done. But even with that, like I think some of the original reporting wasn't necessarily suggesting the years would be eight. <laughs> so getting getting them locked in for that amount of time would really be great. And look, we don't know what will come of it. We don't know how good he'll be, but it's certainly in what will be a rebuilding season of some sort, one way or another would kind of kick things off with just a little bit of excitement that I think I think we deserve, Andrew. I think all of us Brewers fans deserve it. I think the most exciting part of this, and uh, correct me if you don't agree, but I think locking him into this deal and taking away any kind of uh, service time concerns at the beginning of the season and kind of having the realization that as soon as the ink is dry on this, Jackson Chorio's got the inside track to be a starting outfielder with the 2024, 2024 Milwaukee Brewers on opening day is very exciting. Um, like he's obviously as any young player, as we saw last year, will have stuff to work out, but getting him to work it out at the major league level is something that I think we're all looking forward to. Uh, Ken Rosenthal, once again, as we've seen throughout this entire month of an offseason or whatever it's been of baseball nobody has any idea what the brewers are doing rosenthal had the one track that he since walked back jeff Passon said don't expect a tear down and in this article uh once again rosenthal brings up corbin burns willie adamas and devin williams he says burns and adamas are eligible for free agency after 2024 uh williams can hit the open market after 25 the brewers after losing craig council to the chicago cubs could choose to keep all three players along with chorio and attempt to make the playoffs for the sixth time in seven years under new manager pat murphy or they could opt to move one or more of the veterans with the idea of creating a stronger foundation for the future rosenthal in some podcast appearances are and articles lately has said that uh you know the industry now isn't quite sure if the they'll move corbin burns I really think nobody just has any idea what the Brewers are doing because they do not. the The ship doesn't leak unless it's something they want leaked, and I think it was Jonathan Judge, who's written things for Baseball Prospectus. Um, uh, I saw on a Twitter thread yesterday who said something to the effect of like this news about Chorio and an impending contract doesn't get out unless it's close to done and both sides are pretty happy with it. And I would tend to agree with him there, and so. All that being said is like, I don't think this Chorio news kind of pushes my thought into what they'll do one way or the other, because I I think no one truly knows. That being said, I think it outlays enough of a plan and a commitment to him as like a core piece of the franchise that we knew was coming anyway, that can kind of make you buy into whichever path they choose, because I think you and I now know what's the core of this, the next great Brewers team. It's going to be Jackson Chorio. It's going to be William Contreras. Hopefully some of the South like Garrett Mitchell's Joey Weimers, Tyler Black, Robert Gasser, Carlos Rodriguez uh, factor in as well. And like, that's the beginning of what the next phase is. And it just gives you that, that certainty uh, and that comfort in knowing that. And so that, and also a really good PR hit in the event that you do trade a Corbin Burns or a Willie Adamas. Uh, you can say, you know, trust us. We're we're adding more pieces around this young core, and this is going to be the core that takes us to the next level eventually. Even if there's some rocky roads in 2024, I'm not convinced that um, of one decision or another. I think it's all going to be about what the value is 
from whatever is being offered for a Burns or an Adamas. I think it's they're going to make the best bet uh, possible when all the chips are out on the table and they have their cards in their hands. This is a bad poker metal for, but like that just goes to speak that like heading into the winter meetings, I think this offseason could still go a lot of different directions. But knowing that Chorio, if if the deal signed, is going to be that centerpiece for the next eight seasons is exciting. Um, and obviously he still has to prove it on the field. But uh, good news in a sea of bad. Uh, it's, I, I just needed it. I also... Well, I'll ask you for it. Do you think that the Brewers' decision-making for the overall direction could just shift very drastically if this trio deal gets done. Because obviously, taking out the opportunity for them to, uh, you know, manipulate, as we've talked about over the years, and play games when it comes to, you know, service. And that, like, if he signs this deal, he's uh, opening day, he's on the roster, right? And then you've also, that may set you up where yeah you've got more of a log jam you could be trading one of your other outfielders so that's a tool you've got to get something back it just feels like something that maybe this is just wishful thinking on my part because i do think this is in part the direction they should be going but does kind of push you towards more of a youth movement more of a okay let's see what the trades are out there and maybe pull the cord somewhat Am I, I am I overthinking that or like I I just struggle to imagine the world where and that almost certainly means it's the one we live in, um, where Corbin Burns is the opening day starter and Jackson Cheerio starting in center field. <laughs> I just those two things don't necessarily align for me in terms of your best planning. And this this move for Cheerio is one which is showing you know, good foresight and proactive work towards your future. I would think maybe some of your other decisions would follow suit in that regard. I think whatever happens, it's going to happen late in regards to Burns. I think they're going to see what happens with the rest of the market. The Cardinals have already laid their cards on the table. They've signed Lance Lynn, Kyle Gibson, and Sonny Gray. The only one of those signings that I think was good business with Sonny Gray. The other two don't scare me at all. So are you really scared of what the Cardinals are doing? I think there will be a degree of waiting out what happens on the rest of the market, seeing if there are any like deals that they think uh, make sense from a value perspective in terms of free agent signings. And then also, what do the Cubs do? Are they successful? Did they land all the big fish they're trying to land? Or do they fall on their face and you're go- you're in mid-January and you're like, oh, well, you know, I haven't gotten an offer that I like for Corbin Burns. I think this team can go out and win the division and we can, you know, we're fine sending out the qualifying offer and getting the draft pick for Burns if he walks. Um, I think Matt Arnold is comfortable doing that if it comes to a point where he's not getting the offer he wants and they think they can win the division. I would lend more on or lean more to the side of trade burns for the best package possible and try and, you know, scrape together a rotation and win that way. But I I think based on just the little things that trickle out and what reporters are saying, um, 
I'm probably 55 45 that they don't trade Burns based on what we've been hearing. I mean, you had the poster only tweet the other day where he was talking about oh, people are like, they think, yeah, we'll just trade him at the deadline if, uh, if you uh, fall out of contention or sort of thing. So I think, I, I think that's more and more a more realistic scenario. Do than you we buy that? Ever thought. Do you buy Do that? Do I buy the deal would be the same? No, but I yeah, buy like that, that, they, just is, that they would hold on to him to and try and win. Yeah, I don't buy that the deal would be the same, but I buy, I buy that they're comfortable walking into the season with him still in the rotation just based on everything that's happened. But then, like, if you're prepared to do that, why are you why are you going to trade him unless the season is, like, dead in the water? Like, I think that's the... There's no logic to that approach because there's no point holding him. Well, like, I think the return, the return will be there for you. Well, if you keep Corbin Burns, the chances are you're a better team and you're not looking to trade him then. So it then goes down to a simple exercise of are you going to lose Corbin Burns for nothing or are you going to lose him for something? And if you're going to lose him for I think, nothing, I, I really think you've got to feel like, you know, we can win a World Series this year. And unless there are going to be some big surprises in the next few weeks, <laughs> like some drastic moves, I don't think this is a team that's going to be there. I know these things can happen. I know they won't be that far off where they've say, been in recent years. Adam, the thing that we all enjoyed over the the or the October the Snake Timber run has not done us any favors in that sort of long term thinking because I think you see an eighty four win team get to the World Series that puts ideas in the heads of owners and executives. So I think it, it, they are probably comfortable keeping Corbin Burns for the whole season and just walking away with a draft pick for him. I really think that's that's on the table uh, more than I ever thought it was due to Woodruff's injury. I think it's worse because of what happened with Woody. I think that would have made me, you know, <laughs> do all I could to avoid that scenario because it's like you you just can't lose both of those guys for one draft pick between them. Like, it it just seems kind of devastating when you don't necessarily have the pitching prospects in reserve already. I don't know. We'll see. Um, I think the trio thing is good news. I was just be interested to try and kind of if that does get done and then as the offseason goes on to measure it up against the other decisions they've made and just be like okay like is division the there in a like overall coherent way like there are lots of other reasons let's be real too like we're talking about Churio will get the fan base engaged Corbin Burns is undoubtedly a ticket seller too like a Corbin Burns start versus just anyone else I just what what do you think they're gonna Gabby, do? I'll ask you that. What do you think they'll do? I I just think there's gotta be there's gotta be a chance to trade him. And when you look at even like the the trade buzz for starting pitchers around baseball, it's like I I know Dylan Cease has an extra year on his contract. Yeah. Fine, that's that's the first domino to fall a bunch of teams are going to miss out on him. And then it's Corbin Burns. And you're still going to be able to command a really good price because there is a scarcity there. So I just, I really feel like if a bunch of teams are queuing up for Dylan Seas because there's an extra year, it's like, well, I, I think you're going to get one of the teams you miss out to bite at a high enough price. I know there are certain Certain teams who their prospects are just not going to be aligned with what the Brewers need. Like the Brewers are looking for quality infielders, quality starting pitching. 
I there's got to be a partner though. And it's also you go from looking for the perfect trade to I think just looking for a good trade. Um possibly even looking for, you know, a trade that brings you back good stuff that could be flipped again in another trade. Let's not pretend we haven't seen Brewers trades you know, be painted as working out in the long term because the return of one deal actually gets then flipped into something that's good in the next deal. So there's just a level of, you know, asset management that I think is there for them. I I think it would be, I think it would be really reckless not to trade Burns. I really do. I, it's, it's a different story if Woody hadn't got hurt and Woody was back as well. And you're looking at going into another season and you've got Corbin, you've got Woody and you've got Freddie. Because even in that scenario, let's say you're really good and you decide you want to trade him. Well, you've still got Woody to be your number one guy. And that could carry you if you've built a strong enough rotation. Like you could still contend at the highest level if the team was good and you could recoup something. I think when you don't have Woody, the idea of that you bring him into the season and you could trade him. It's like you're bringing him into the season just to have him see out the season. And in that case, I don't think the upside is there. I really don't. Whether people want to talk themselves into it or not, I just don't think in a very like realistic, pragmatic way, which it should be how this is approached, not in a let's get swept up and what the Diamondbacks just did. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, I think the the re- reality that if they trade Burns, it's going to be late because you have to wait out the rest of the uh, free agent market um, and the trade market from for Dylan Cease with another year contro- control for Tyler Glass now. I think we'll have seen what the Brewers offseason looks like and where they have or they haven't added by the time Corbin Burns is traded. So we will have a very cl- uh, clear sense going into spring training of oh, that was really stupid to keep Corbin Burns. This team's going to struggle to win 80 games. Or, oh, uh, you know, 
nothing ever materialized. They signed Nick Martinez and Seth Lugo. Rotation looks pretty good with Corbin Burns leading it, or they've got Reese Hoskins or Jamer Candelandria. Oh, they're making a real run for it, trying to like tie together two timelines. So I think by the time the Burns talks really heat up, we'll know like if this team actually has a chance to run it back and win a division. Um, now that I've said all that, Corbin Burns is going to be traded on day one of the <laughs> winter meetings to either the Dodgers or the Orioles, who are my uh, my two best organizations in terms of a prospect fit. Um, and obviously Cease uh, has been uh, in the news via Bob Nightingale uh, being a, like a Dodgers conversation. Uh, and the Braves are in that too. So if the Braves get Dylan Cease, do the Dodgers all of a sudden turn up the heat and say, oh, we need to go get Cor- Corbin Burns, and they offer you Michael Bush, Emmett Sheehan, uh, the other pitcher, I can't remember his name, who's more higher end but maybe further away. And uh, that, that I think that's the thing that you sit and wait for. And uh, I, ho- I hope they uh, I hope they, make, they might make the right move and are counting on the, the Choria window. But just, I, I gotta say all, all the chatter recently has me thinking that they're going to keep them um, unless they get blown away. Um, was there any other news and notes before we get into these grades or have we covered everything with the Choria news? I think that's it. I think we're, we're all up to date on the admittedly fun news. Let's hope that the next pod we do, it's official. Well, Adam, I did forget to say that the Brewers have signed Brewer Hicklin to a minor league deal, so they've got a guy <laughs> named Brewer. Uh, and they also and they signed Easton McGee to a, this is a two year deal because he's had Tommy John, so he's going to be out for next year, um, and he will be in the system in twenty twenty five. So we got a Brewer and we got a McGee. Uh, so I, I count that as fun news, Adam. I don't know about you. Yeah, and. Ethan McGee's like six six or six seven, I think, from what I saw. Like he's got an interesting release. You know, I can listen. I can, I can be talked into this, Andrew. It doesn't. It doesn't take much more beyond his name, um. But giant man, funky action. Yeah, can't be it. That's it. That's uh, not a sentence I need taken out of context ever. Yeah, that's fine. Um. You know, we can get we can get fired up to talk about anybody, Adam. We can get fired up to talk about Luke Voigt and Tyler Naquin. So, you know, we're we're uh we're about that life. Uh shall we go into the grades? Um obviously last year, you know, got a little heated and you you're expect you said you're expecting it again. So everybody, uh buckle up and prepare yourselves for this slug fest. I just don't think we're gonna necessarily agree. Which I know it doesn't happen for us that often, which is I think part of why we've had a successful podcasting relationship for many years, because if we disagreed a lot, I think you'd get too angry. And this would have, you know, fallen through a long time ago. This is where it ends. This is where it ends, ends, uh, folks, right here. Um, I miss speaking. I should tell everyone I'm playing Hurt today. I tripped and uh, severely damaged the right side of my body. So um, if I'm stammering more than usual, because I probably have a concussion. Um how do we want to do this? So I, I'll tell you my approach that I've taken this year after last year, taking a more binary approach of how did you perform this year? I'm, I'm very buck stock market about it. Like that, that's, that's just like the vibe that I'm going with for it. Um, do we want to go from the most innings to the least or for the least yes. to the most, most, to the least. most to the least. 
All right, I'm gonna let you start because I think this is where you think we're gonna disagree. No, no, it's it's not even necessarily. I just kind of think throughout we might view things a little bit differently. Look, like wow. part of this is you've gotta you've gotta take what a what a pitcher has done in a vacuum. Like just let's imagine this is versus any other pitcher, and then you've also got to weigh up you know, who is that pitcher? What have they generally done and what have they done this season? And so Corbin Burns pitched 193 and two-thirds innings for the Brewers, 32 starts, 339 ERA, 107 whip. Um, That 339 ERA, like, one of the worst of his career, one of his worst for a long time. A lot of his numbers up there with the worst he's had in many years. We understand that with Corbin Burns, his worst is still a level that, you know, for 99% of Major League Baseball, you'd be very happy to have a pitcher in your rotation put up those numbers. Um, I'm going with a C for Corbin Burns. And I'm going with a C because I also cannot get past or like not factor into this. That he just, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop myself from swearing. Ty, shout out, we're gonna do it this week. I know it. He bottled it in the playoffs. I don't know if that's a saying. Does that translate? Is that a saying from my part of the world? He didn't. Bring, I mean, I would know it. You would know it. He didn't bring his best stuff. He didn't show up, and the lights were at the brightest. In fact. He just like shrunk under the lights. And the Brewers situationally needed him to be the guy. And he did the complete opposite. And that really set the tone. And that led to, oh, another good season. And then just crushed immediately. Um so yeah, I I it's part of me feels like am I just being an asshole? Because there are other pitchers that I am going to reward for their volume of innings they pitched because I do think that's an important quality but when you're Corbin Burns I don't think you can just get like a pat on the back for hey you went out and you pitched a bunch of innings it's like great you did stay healthy that is obviously incredibly important but you pitched worse than you have in a number of years and you pitched some of your worst stuff of the season in the biggest game of the season and the entire Brewers organization you know, paid the price for that. So after uh, going into the season two, like we talked so much about everything and Corbin talked about and the Brewers, and we we're very much on his side about him basically being done pretty dirty by the Brewers with how his arbitration situation played out. You didn't go back it up though. You didn't go and look like Corbin Burns. I think that's what we hoped. And he looked off to begin the season. Uh, you and I saw him in person look really bad against the Mets. And he just did that for quite some time later in the season. He kind of righted the ship, but then it, it, once again, it didn't finish on that kind of positive note either. So not consistent enough. And like the blowups were ugly this year, like just in a way that certainly wasn't the case last year, certainly hasn't been the case for this spell of just, you know, routine excellence from Corbin Burns as a brewer. So yeah, I mean, 109, just under 194 innings and a 339 ERA. 
that might not scream C for any other pitcher, but I do think that's where I feel like Corbin Burns should be. Yeah, I have B minus for the regular season, and I knocked him down to a C plus for the playoffs. Um, so overall grade C plus. Um, not enough consistency. Uh, the innings in the regular season were incredibly valuable just because of all the injuries to the rotation, Woodruff not being available, Miley missing time. Innings are outs, and innings are uh, spots where you don't have to use a reliever and tire out the bullpen. As we know, that bullpen got pretty tired by the end of the season. That being said, uh, the $740,000 question was, how does uh, Corbin Burns respond to the awkwardness of the arbitration and the offseason? And it was with inconsistency. Um, I still think he's a great pitcher. I think he can have a better season than he had last season and return closer to form. But uh, the playoff loss is really the one that stuck with me that bumped me down to the C plus because I don't know, like uh, the Brandon fought game. And obviously we saw him go out and do great things for the Diamondbacks and the rest of the postseason. But he was not that guy uh, in that playoff game. And the Brewers stake Corbin Burns to a lead and that lead trickled away. Uh, also, just some of the, uh, not even the blowups in terms of like the you're having a great game and then yeah, um, you let one inning derail you kind of a thing. I think just like the, I don't know the mental blowups for lack of a better term, or just like the tantrums that that popped up a few times. Um, don't get me wrong, they had some great moments this season. Um, that eight inning performance um, against the Yankees that they ultimately lost was awesome. He had that big strikeout game, I think, against Pittsburgh. Uh, but, you know, playoffs, short series, we know what they are. It's random nonsense and chance, but sometimes you just got to be, you got to go in like Zach Wheeler and you just got to say, um, like, I'm the guy today and nobody's beating me. And he didn't do that. I mean, Burns is a guy who had a better regular season than Zach Wheeler. But when it came down to, like, I don't know, I guess by some metrics, Wheeler did have a higher war, um, just a lower ERA, I think. Did Wheeler pip him on the strikeouts there? Yeah, he's got 12 more strikeouts on the year than Burns did. Anyway, um, yeah, the playoff performance knocks me down to a C-plus. Four innings pitch, five hits, the four and runs, two walks, five strikeouts. Can't get into the fifth inning in a must-win game. It's just, it's tough. There is. Uh, look, I'll I'll go with you on C-plus. We did this last year, just maybe work attention comes in on that. We said we'll have our individual grades, and then we'll come to an official consensus. And I'm happy to move upwards to meet you in this case, Andrew. So, C plus. Okay, we'll, yeah, we'll see where some of the other uh, points of contention come. I'm excited. Uh, next up, Freddie Peralta. Freddie Peralta. Uh, Freddie Peralta. Uh, the theme of this season was, you know, battling with command. Uh, but showing some of the best stuff of his career, I think. I mean, the strikeouts were there, obviously. I think it was a career high in strikeouts for Freddie. Um, he 165 and two-thirds innings pitched uh, with a 3.86 ERA, um, 30 starts on the year, 16 quality starts. Uh, the decided number two, I well, we'll get to that later, uh, uh, in the rotation behind Burns in terms of innings after Brandon Woodruff went down. Uh, I thought Freddie had a good, not great season, obviously. Um, it was much better 
to see him much more available than he was during the previous season where he only pitched 78 innings. Um, the ERA closer to four than you would like, but I thought um, for the most part, uh, the stuff and the missing bats and the inning workload that he gave compared to kind of some of the other guys in the rotation w- was valuable for the team. Uh, but we kind of expect more out of uh Freddie Peralta, so I went with a, a B minus. Yeah, you know what? I'm right there with you. Um the thing with Freddie was I think as you rightly noted, showed some of the best stuff of his career to date. That really kicked in about August, though, that he really kind of hit his stride. Great August, very good September. Um, Poor final start, and then another person who did not have their best in the postseason. Uh, Five innings, four and runs was his contribution in the Diamondback series, and you've got to punish that somewhat. Division is there, like the template is there for... Freddie Peralta being much better than he has been today and being really who the Brewers now need him to be. Um, I just think overall, this is another season where the inconsistency kind of tells its own story too. Um, It was great to see him go through spells where, you know, he had two 13 strikeout games. Like that's the kind of, the kind of pitcher he can be and was showing himself to be where he's routinely kind of getting close to double digits. He had a run through August and into the beginning of September where he's, you know, uh, 13Ks, 6Ks, 11Ks, 9Ks, 10Ks. Like, it's the kind of pitcher he probably should be and can be. And I think if you keep the walks down, which he generally did a pretty good job of this year. Um, if you keep the homers down, which he generally did a pretty good job of this year, I think good things will happen. It's just there are bouts of inconsistency. There are bouts where it just doesn't quite work. And I guess that's why, you know, this is not just any rotation, but why he's been the number three in this rotation in recent years. Now, we know he is likely to at least be number two, could be the number one in the rotation. And things have got to change. Like, got to be got to be more consistent because his best is like up there with anyone's. He will strike out guys for fun. He's a really, really high-end starting pitcher. He just got to kind of find ways to lock in and make the best of what he does more repeatable going forward. So I think it's a good season. I think relative to where he was and, you know, he's coming off of inconsistent seasons too. Like that's kind of, that's his progression still. And he gets a slightly higher grade than Corbin Burns because Corbin Burns is coming off very consistent seasons of excellence. Freddie, there's no doubting the good that's there, but we've seen just some of the ups and downs. I maybe cut him some slack for that again. I think I think B minus is fair. I meant to alternate uh, as we go, but I want to do the next one. Um, to, I want to lead off with the next one. Is that all right? I'm nervous now, but sure. All right. So with 124 and two thirds innings pitch, we have Colin Ray. Uh, 26 games pitched, 22 of them starts. 
uh, Colin Ray, a guy who in any kind of preseason planning podcast was not on our radar. Um, A guy who had been uh, with the Fukuoka SoftBanks, SoftBank Hawks, sorry, uh, in Nippon Professional Baseball in the uh, 2022 season. Had 23 appearances there with a 3.96 ERA uh, and 100 innings of work, became a free agent and signed with the Brewers on January 27th, 2023. Minor league contract assigned to Nashville um, and then ended up playing a very meaningful role with this Brewers team. Resigned uh, with the Brewers to a one-year contract with a club option for 2025 uh, in this offseason. As you know, Brewers got that business done quickly uh, for 5-5 ERA across those 124 and two-thirds innings. Um, and as I've told you, I innings are important to me. Innings are out, and they saved the bullpen. And Colin Ray was someone that we did not see coming and came in and gave this team innings when they were in pitching crisis as many, many times. Um, and for that reason, I'm giving Colin Ray a B plus and just could not be more uh, pleased with uh, his performance. And I look forward to seeing him again next year because there are going to be other additions to this Brewers rotation, whether it's Robert Gasser and whether, whether it's Carlos Rodriguez, but they're going to need Colin Ray to come in and clean up messes from time to time. And uh, I think he's more than capable of doing it. I believe you're on mute. Thank you. I feel like uh, you did some reflection on what drove you crazy last year. And we've come out. You know, he's also got an ERA that's like a run lower, but that's uh, part maybe of it. not. Maybe not. Maybe you're still the same guy. <laughs> uh, I agree. I, I agree. Jefferson. So I had him at a B. Um, I think in part, like maybe there's just a part of me where it's like, I don't want to get too carried away. I'm like, yeah, you're you're grading on a scale that's relative to expectations, relative to past production. Um, but Colin Ray, I'd say a B plus for me versus Corbin Burns at a C where I had him or Freddie Peralta B minus. I don't know. It just that that made me bring it down to a B. Um, I agree with everything you're saying. The volume of innings is really exceptional. Him being deterred, deterred for most innings on the Brewers is, you know, real bonus territory. And he's just kind of unshakable. It's like, yeah, there were some bad games there, but it's for what you expect for him, for what he is, he gave you everything very steadily. He just kept going, kept going. And the Brewers did at times like kind of put him through the ringer. I'm trying to think now, he wasn't even on the postseason roster, right? Did they? I can't remember. That sounds like it feels like a different lifetime, Adam. <laughs> it really uh... does, because that was my gut, but it could be completely wrong too. I, I feel like he was someone we were making a case for thinking about you know the way that you know game three could go boy were we naive andrew um three games adam what are you talking about but yeah he just delivered and good to see the brewers kind of act pretty swiftly with him this offseason too um because yeah he's he's an important piece who knows maybe he gets better like just from it not being you and also from it not being like I'm on the verge of being gone any day now of having maybe a little bit more security of like a really meaningful major league season behind you, like 124 innings. That's, that's big boy stuff. I'll uh, turn it over to you 
for this next one so we can get the every other thing going back. Uh, I knocked us off course just because I wanted to shock and all you. Uh, but anyway, next. Uh, Wade Miley, 120 and a third innings pitched. 314 ERA, 114 whip. A signing that I think we felt pretty good about last offseason as someone very, very solid to return to the Brewers and give them quality starts out of the back of the rotation. Like little did we know just how good he would be, and um, particularly at his best. Wade Miley's best starts are up there with pretty much any other starting pitcher and his roster's best starts last season. And there were so many games where, you know, he just delivered. He was one of the guys who I honestly had the most fun watching uh, pitch for the Brewers last season. Don't know if I would have expected that coming into it, but couldn't have been much more impressed by him. Um, I have Wade Miley at an A minus. I I think I he's have, the, I... I think he's the best the best relative to expectations. Um, the only kind of knock, and I think he could have been higher. I mean, he did have the lowest ERA, right? Of anyone who, other than Woody, who obviously had considerably fewer starts. The only knock against Miley is that he did have a couple of injuries, but just like some sort of bionic man, even when it seemed like it was, you know, not for the best, the Brewers would just keep rolling him out of there ahead of schedule pretty quickly, and he'd come out and he'd look like Wade Miley, and he'd pitch well for a while again. And I was like, you know what? It's very, very hard to deny just how good Wade Miley was. Keep waiting for the disagreement. This is unfortunate. Um, I guess Corbin counts. Um, I had him at an A minus as well. Uh, all, but another thing I was factoring in, and this is you know, goes against Mister Analytical Brown Andrew, but like the impact he clearly made on that pitching staff and the clubhouse. I mean, mm. anyone that would would talk to you about Wade Miley would just say just on the front how office. Much of, he was he was yeah, suggesting the yeah. trade for Carlos Santana, Marcana. Remember. Yeah, he's shadow GM Wade Miley, uh, making moves and helping raise that offensive floor. Yeah, I think he's just like in basketball terms, he's kind of a glue guy for a rotation. And I was honestly like, if you go back and listen to the podcast, we loved the signing and thought it was great. But I thought he'd there was a part of me that thought he'd missed more time than he did, and I was more than happy with 120 innings. And as we've advocated in mid season and end of season pods, we would love to see them make a move to bring him uh, back. But after seeing what Lance Lynn and uh, Kyle Gibson got, maybe not, although those guys are more Chad innings eater types that are going to have higher ERAs, but gobble up those innings. So maybe, maybe Miley still falls back to the Brewers in a spot that they both deem fair. I, I hope that happens, but we'll see. Maybe we get some chatter in the winter meetings. Yeah. just loved having Wade Miley on this team this season. Um, I've, I've said this before. I, I don't mean it to be weird, but there's something comfortable about his interviews and the cadence of his voice is just so calm and comforting. I don't know what it is. Uh, and from the day we sat at, um, at pilot project, watching him just confound the Mets, we knew that this would be a, uh, a Wade Miley friendly podcast. And that is proven to be true here. I also think like, what is the. When we talk about what his free agency might look like, like what is the if we're talking one year deals, which I think we are because he seems to be pretty close to retirement. Like he might. I wonder just... if he even wants to pitch. Like that's one thing. 
Like it clearly hurts. <laughs> Possible. I wouldn't. I think if this franchise decides to save two or three million dollars by not paying Wade Miley and he goes somewhere else, like they're idiots and they deserve to lose because you look at what the loss of Woody is going to do. And again, this is before getting to any other trades that could come to factor in if they were to move Corbin Burns or anything like that. But simply like bumping Miley up a spot in your rotation and having someone who can give you volume. Maybe not the sky high level of volume. You could probably bank on some five inning starts. You can bank on some injuries along the way. Um, but you can also rely on, I think, of the pitch really well and <laughs> to have a, a very respectable ERA and be someone that you can just rely on. Just that's the key thing. And in a year where you could be promoting some of your younger pitchers, and we know that. That can go any way, you know, they could come up and they can look okay, or they could just immediately be like, no, this is a work and they may never recover. Having Miley there feels maybe more important than we should feel comfortable with, but I do think that's the reality. And I, I think his value to the Brewers, what it could mean for their record to have someone that you know, every five, six days is going out in his spot and he's going to give you a chance to win every one of those ball games. That's what he does. That could ultimately make all the difference come the end of the season. And I think, you know, the difference between just paying that little bit extra if his price does end up slightly inflated or going for someone who's more of an innings eater or leaning into a more unproven prospect even within your own system. Like, there are couple of pitching prospects we like, but we're not talking real top-end where this is a no-brainer go to this guy. I think they got to bring Wade Miley back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I agree. I think uh, something like a 10 to 12 million AAV for Miley is more than reasonable if you can get him on that deal with like a, a one-year deal with a mutual option or something like that. I think that's what they did uh, this year. And then obviously he did not pick up his end of the option because he wants to uh, cash in on uh, all these teams needing starting pitching. Um, next player on the list. Adrian Hauser, a guy that pitched 111 and a third innings this season for the Brewers. 23 appearances, 21 of them starts. This is an interesting one for me. I need you to break a ton in my brain as I go through this. Uh, two guys that have been mainstays of the 2021 and 2022 Brewers rotations were Eric Lauer and Adrian Hauser. 
And one went one way into stability and sustainability, and the other is no longer with the organization. And if you had asked me going into the year that, or if you told me at the beginning of the 2023 season that that type of thing was going to happen with these two pitchers, which one's which, I would have chosen reverse order. Uh, because Eric Lauer is now out of the organization, and Adrian Hauser turned in a solid year. N- not uh, close to his, his peak year in 2021, where he had a 3-2-2 ERA in 142 and a third innings, but uh, 4-12 ERA, 111 and a third innings, like we said. Uh, always working through traffic, guys on base, walking a tight wire, but I think more often than not, he provided positive performances for the Brewers. Um, and also going into this season, a lot of the conversation was, is Adrian Houser going to make the move to the bullpen full-time? Is he done being a starter? And primarily his appearances were as a starter this year. And he was really solid. So I came somewhere in the middle of a B, B minus. I was leaning B. I'll, I'll let you break the tie here. And whichever you choose, I am more than on board with. I, I had B minus, but I, with the way you're talking, I, I actually do feel like it possibly should be B. I feel like B minus might be too low. I think one of the considerations for him is he started 21 games. He pitched 111 innings. The conversation we were having before the season is that like this guy, this guy's not a starter and he can't start again. Like this is, maybe you know, maybe he benefits. Maybe the Brewers benefit from him being a bullpen guy. Now, luck didn't really break their way for that to be an option they had. But he showed he could start, and he delivered. I think he pitched really, really well. He gave you what you kind of expect from Adrian Hauser. But I say that, and as you've alluded to, as we'll talk about later, like I think Eric Lauer is a good example. You shouldn't take that for granted either, and particularly after a year like Hauser had with injury and with struggling last year, just generally even when he was healthy, there's no guarantee that you come back from that and things look good. So I think the fact that he did not only produce at a very respectable level and really eat up a lot of innings sort of that the Brewers needed him to, but just got back to a place where like he looked comfortable with that volume. I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. I think I think a B is fair because our expectations were really low coming into the season. I think we were hoping he would work out in the bullpen, but also wouldn't have been shocked of if that didn't work out in the bullpen if it was very quickly well you know, what's left here for Adrian Hauser. And it's very, very far from that. Instead, you know, he's seeing off all the other pitchers who are on the roster throughout his tenure. All the guys who were the bigger stars in front of him, you know, one by one, they're disappearing. Adrian Hauser, is, am I right in saying, is he longest tenured brewer now? That's pretty yelly. No. Uh, Hauser's right? first, uh, first season with the Brewers was, it looks like 2015 played two games that season through two innings. So, and then not again until 2018, 13 and two thirds innings pitched uh, that year. Well, that's quite the gap. Hard to, hard to know really where you judge on that in all seriousness. But look, I think he, I think he was really like important for the Brewers. This is not when you're top line guys, but this was a season where they had to kind of just piece a lot together. He helped them do it. I, I say we go B. Yeah, and he's been tendered a contract for next season. So unless, you know, 
uh, a Brewers or a Rays type organization, no one is safe. If they he could be flipped at any time for a team that needs starting pitching, if Matt Arnold finds a deal that he likes, but I honestly think he'll be back in twenty twenty four as starting pitching depth, and um, you know him and the the Colin Rays of the world are the guys that help you patch together a season. Julio Tehran. 71 two-thirds innings pitched. 440 ERA, 113 whip. Um, Tehran was one of these guys that came in when the Brewers were really, really down to, you know, bare bones in terms of their starting pitching options. And he was a pickup really out of left field. A pickup that it just seemed like any kind of days in the major league for him were long gone i think it was something when the news came out we were skeptical everyone was skeptical of it and who tehran under he went out and he did the thing and he just like a man he stood up there and he's like yeah i've got one more chance at this and i'm gonna go and i'm gonna pitch every game like it's my last to some degree and it may ultimately prove to be true where this kind of ended up um we talked about that around the time of the postseason too and how he was treated and just it did seem a little unfair I think given what he had done for the franchise it wasn't even he was he was DFA just before they clinched right so he was like gone out of the organization before the celebrations happened uh I'm looking at the timeline now I I feel he was one of those guys and it was like come on that's really cold this guy came up he gave you 11 starts played in 14 games over 70 innings, it's like he really helped you have a tough spot. And he pitched really well in some of those games, too. People might remember the story in his first five or six starts was, will someone please score a run for Julio Tehran as he went out there and he was giving up very, very little and just getting no run support and logging losses as a result. Um, Look, it did tail off. That 440 ERA is probably even slightly kind compared to some of the ugliness that came late. I I think a C though was where I had here, and I could I could be I could be talked into going higher because maybe he is like the ultimate rock bottom of where expectations were. Um, but I just see I kind of just spiritually feels right as in, hey, you know what? You did your job. Well done. Let's let's move on. Like this, this wasn't exceptional, but you did your job. And I think to be saying that about it, Tehran, I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. That he was able to do that for the Brewers in the year twenty twenty three. Yeah, I had a B minus due to those rock bottom expectations, but I feel like meeting you in the middle at a C plus feels like a reasonable yeah, landing spot for us. Um, I think so. September 29th was when they DFA'd him. Uh. So I think he would he would have gotten to celebrate it, right? So they just said you're not coming to the postseason. Yeah, if my calendar math is right there, I think that's what happened. Um, but yeah, that's tough. Uh, but yeah, I mean, a guy obviously that I watched a lot of my life when he was at his peak, and to see him come back as a brewer and provide them innings from nowhere is what I'll call it. Yeah, C plus seems. Seems more than fair for Julio Tehran and like like giving them innings we didn't know he was capable of. Uh, 
that brings us, Adam, to, you know, we started this episode with positivity. And now we have to, to bring it down a bit. And uh, Brandon Woodruff next on the list, recently non-tendered by the Brewers after they were unable to find a, a trade partner. Um, Woodruff will, at some point in this offseason, sign a two-year deal with the team where he'll then rehab his shoulder and then hopefully come back strong and ready to go for 2025. Who will that team be? We don't know yet. Who that team is will determine how painful it is, but we'll find out that at a later date and process it on a podcast. Uh, 67 innings for Woodruff due to the the shoulder troubles. Uh, two to eight ERA. Um, had the complete game shutout. When he was on the mound, he was the best Brewer starting pitcher by far uh just looked like he was tapping into something that like even he had not tapped into yet like ready to he be might have been like an Cy young winner when he was on the mound like if he was around all season pitching like that he would have been yeah and i'll turn this over to you because uh you've had a lot of loss recently uh in terms of favorite players on the roster i gave him an a minus only for the the lack of innings and n- nothing he can control but uh, the best of it ability is availability. So I, cu- I couldn't go the A plus that I wanted to in my heart based on if he's given a two two eight ERA over even let's call it 150 innings. We're throwing out the A plus, but just his body let him down, and it's another sad kick in the gut. You took the exact line that I was going to use here, which is the you know availability is the best ability. Um, I, I am at a B because I think 11 mm. starts is just, you can't like, yeah, he, he's an A plus when he pitched and yeah, he's an A plus when he's healthy. He was by far and away the best pitcher on this roster. Um, as I said, probably the best starter in the national league when he was healthy, when he was pitching 11 starts is not enough though. I, I think to kind of reach that sky high mark, our expectations are greater you needed to see him like high 20s and up into the 30s that's what we would have hoped for yeah it's brutal like there's i can't i cannot fault any element of his performance the only thing that i would you know dock him some points and lower his grade for is the fact that he wasn't out there often enough and it is unfortunately you know that's his season came to an end because of that and the brewery season i think came to an end because of that too and then his time with the Brewers came to an end because of that. And it's kind of the defining thing. So I think any kind of disappointment that I'd have that factors into the grade is purely down to his health. But that's also, sadly, you know, how things are played out in the end to his time with the Brewers. So I will go with a B and I, I'll be honest, I will push back strongly about you giving him an A because as much as I just want to and I love him, it can't can't do it for eleven starts. To be clear, it was an A minus. Uh, but I will uh, I will come back down to B. I'm fine with that because you know I. This is gonna sound real fucked up. Um, oh, I, I, there we go. Sorry, Ty. Oh, sorry. Hashtag sorry, Ty. Um, uh, like in recent nights where I couldn't sleep, I like rewatched uh some old like foul territories uh of Brewers players. Just you know, because like you said at the beginning of the episode. I missed I missed the Brewers. Uh and so I, I rewatched his recent one where he was talking about smoking a brisket and Halloween and his rehab. 
And so uh, it, it might have turned me into a, a big softy right before I, I put these grades down. So uh, I'm fine coming back down to a B. I'll compromise there. Listen, A plus of my heart, A plus for it, you know, the 11 starts he gave us. Just not enough, unfortunately. And it's kind of it's the story of his season. It's the story of the Brewers season. Nice for this one to fall my way. Um, Eric Lauer. <laughs> 46 and two-thirds innings pitched. 6.56 ERA. 167 whip. Um, The only starter with a minus war as well. Minus 1.0 war for Eric Lauer. This is just a catastrophe. Like the wheels came off. The guy is like done, done. I hope he bounces back in some way and can continue to have a good career. But this is as bad as it gets in terms of going from someone who was like not just taking on a like very meaningful workload with the Brewers last year, but was generally pitching very well. I mean, we we know of the the problems, the home run problems, but they were you know, one home run every six innings and they became a whole lot more this year. Uh, I don't take any joy from doing this, but I'm giving Eric Lauer an F. Uh, I was prepared I, to give him a D, D minus. No, uh, uh, well, it's the redeeming feature. <laughs> uh, the seven and two thirds against Seattle. Uh that like game where he really went out there and shoved and then he told me about his negative war and I was like nope F <laughs> I'll be honest don't remember him going seven and two thirds how many runs did he give up two like that's a lot get- of innings it's a lot of innings was, you're still giving I, up two runs like it, it's a quality start sure but considering how bad everything else was I think it's gotta be F yeah. Uh that was the game where I think uh had the big five run seventh uh a Wednesday uh, in April. Oh, that's right, that's right. I remember because I was watching it at a barbecue restaurant watching it on my phone. But anyway, that was, ju- that was uh, just after that was like second, third week of the season, right? That was second week. That was just after we had returned from Milwaukee. April nineteenth. Yeah, there we go. Uh yeah, April nineteenth at Seattle. Um, but if the one win you help them secure by going deep into the game is balanced out by being worth negative wins throughout the whole season, I'm going to call a spade a spade. I'm going to lock in with you at an F. Take us home, Andrew. There's only one left. One man left on the board. It's going to be Jansen Junk. Two appearances, just one start. Uh, for chance and junk on the year, um, and it was not, it was not a good start. Um, junk was acquired in the uh, Hunter Renfro deal from the Los Angeles Angels. Um, the star of that deal, who we'll talk about at a later date, turned out to be Elvis Pagero. So, not all for all for a loss. Uh, four and two thirds innings pitch against Arizona, eventual World Series participant. Seven hits, five runs, four earned, a homer, two walks, two Ks. Uh, gotta give him an incomplete for that. Just one start. You know, no letter grade here. 
Yeah, one start and only one appearance in relief as well. I mean, kind of weird, honestly, that he didn't get more of a look, that he wasn't used more this year, but... You know, he was enough. dialed for that uh, relief appearance against the Cubs. Two and yeah. two-thirds, just, just the one hit, three Ks. Jansen Junk out of the pen? We'll see. How long had passed between those two appearances? It was a long time, right? April 12th and October 1st. So it's like a different you know, guy. Different a lifetime. Guy. Um, we had definitely aged significantly in that, that time span. So it was probably similar for him. I've even yeah, aged it, since this podcast started. So well, that like, is that I is mean... how time works, but <laughs> incomplete. I'm in agreement with you there. The only other player, I believe, who started any games was a relief. Trevor. We'll talk about next week, which is Trevor McGill. I generally a good season, uh, like in a year where things just didn't go ideally for the Brewers in terms of, you know, their starting rotation mapping out the way they would have wanted it. I think they generally got very, very good stuff. I think Corbin just not being a little bit better hurts a lot. Uh, obviously, Woody only starting 11 games was brutal. I do think we shouldn't just gloss over, like when it is at this point, the year in review sense, like, Eric Lauer is like the forgotten man until we give him an F there. Eric Lauer being that level of bad is like is a body blow to your rotation, to your plans. Like that was your number two guy for a lot of last year, honestly. Like he he was better than Freddie and Woody was out for a long spell. Like Eric Lauer he was second was in innings, your, wasn't he? I think he was. And it wasn't like he was just eating innings. Like he was pitching really, really well. And to have that level of fall off. I mean, it's one of those things I, I find it really tough. Like it's really depressing. I feel really bad for the guy, but it's just like. It's just an I will extra, say, exceptional level of bad. Some of the uh, Brewers bloggers saw it coming. Jack Stern at Brewers. Yeah, yeah, a lot of was, people was, for was, a long time. Yeah. We just didn't. I didn't want to believe it. Didn't want to believe it be true. And but also like going from passable to unplayable. It's just. I feel like it's. I don't, I don't even know. think it's passable like, to unplayable. Like this wasn't. This wasn't like say. This isn't like if Colin Ray's numbers next year look like Eric Lair's this year. We probably all just shrug our shoulders and we're like, oh, that's that's a real pity. But hey, you kind of got everything you could ask for. Like, Lauer was so much more than that to, to end up at this point in one season. Yeah, so 2022, um, Corbin Burns led the way with 202 innings pitched. Uh, Eric Lauer was uh, 158 and change. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely a big blow when you're counting on him for at the very least what we just talked about this entire time is what was his what was his ERA in 2022 um sorry it sorted by innings and now it has Jace Peterson and Victor Caratini with one uh 369 ERA um the big thing with him that season was the the homers and the walks the so 27 homers 59 walks like uh, he, he had no, a very like this very similar, both in terms of innings pitched and ERA. 
slightly better ERA than Freddie Peralta and just slightly less in terms of innings pitched. But like he basically had what Freddie's season was this year. That's what that's what Eric Lauer gave last year. And he's just like gone. A disaster. Like to put it like that, if Freddie Peralta was like that next year, it doesn't bear thinking about with the way the Brewers are set up now. Like the team would be doomed. It's as much as it, there were warning signs and a lot of smart people did see them. It being that kind of explosive and just dramatic as a blow up was really something. Yeah, and like God knows what happens with him next. Someone gonna take a flyer on him to be rotation depth, or more likely, like, hey, can you be a reliever now? Is kind of what I think we've long thought about. I think he's going to Asia, honestly. Did. I don't know if any team like it is. It was so bad. I mean, it worth mentioning here too, because like late season, there was like the slightest glimmer of hope, and I started doing updates on him basically not being a complete train wreck with the sounds. Then I saw it in person. (laughs) He was not pitching well in AAA either. Or actually, you know what? I shouldn't even say that. He was not pitching well even further down the system, if memory serves me right. And it's like, he just wasn't even a good minor league pitcher last year. It was, look, it could just be something that an offseason to get himself fully healthy and rest up. Maybe that is the, the thing that does it. But it just... Like it looked kind of over. It looked so bad that this is a a colossal kind of rehabilitation job in terms of mentally, physically, everything to get himself back to just being a guy that any team is like, yeah, sure, we want to see you pitch in a big league game. I'm pretty sure Eric Fetty uh, won the MVP of the KBO, or sorry, just KBO, no the um, this year. So maybe KBO can be a get right ground for yet another Eric in 2024. High, high, that, high level analysis there. Maybe uh, Eric's is trying to create. Yeah. Uh, Fetty, a guy who could be on the Brewers radar as a depth pickup. Hmm. I mean, we saw what happened with Colin Ray. I don't know. Sure. Just asking questions, Adam. Doing my own research. Well, uh, have we got anything else? No, I think, you know, the winter meetings getting started up next week. We might see a flurry of action on the free agent market, maybe trades. I continue to think we are not going to get the answer on Corbin for a while. Uh, so I disagree, right? I'll tell you why. It's all going to happen late next week because I'm going to be out of the country and not available to podcast. And so... I'm going to have to be on here with Newmark. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? Oh. I t- well, I tell you my way for me, but Thursday through Sunday <laughs> is when the Brewers deals are all going to go down. It's going to be chaos. So everyone, you know, set some time aside so you could be by your phone, trade, signings. It's all going to happen when I'm not able to podcast. They traded Corbin. They signed Otani. It's just, it's raining cats and dogs. Well, look, if they sign Otani, I might like just phone in from like a football stadium in the Netherlands and just be shouting into my phone about it. That there there Adam's could be exceptions the, made for that. Uh, Adam's in but otherwise, the red light district just uh, <laughs> zooming in for a. I will I will not be in Amsterdam just to cut off those jokes at the source. Uh, but yeah, listen, 
if they get Otani, we can we can work that out. That might be something we can we can make an exception for. I'm looking forward to that a lot. Um, all right. We will be back next week, probably a little earlier in the week for those aforementioned reasons. We will talk about the Brewers relievers, and we'll dish out grades for that group for the 2023 season. We'll talk about any other news that we may have by then. Let's hope that Jackson Churio extension is official. And yeah, we'll see what else comes our way. As always, you can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. That's cruising for a bruising. You should also check out the rest of the GSPN pods. That's the main feed, the Eurostep Podcast Network, home to all things Milwaukee books. Talk to Tundra for everything Green Bay Packers. And make time for this for movies, TV, all things pop culture with Andrew and I. Until next time, thanks again to all of you for listening. Also, shout out to any of you for if we've appeared on your Spotify wrapped. If you are, you know, number one, like cruising for a bruising fan, let us know. Let us know for your number one pod. Send us a tweet. Hit us up in the Discord. Whatever you want to do. We appreciate you. Let us know. We know we know you're out there. So don't be afraid to chime up. We appreciate you. We'd like to share our appreciation. Thanks as always to you, Andrew. Thanks, Adam. We'll talk to you all next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.